0: Good morning. Good morning. You all right? I got a wave from the top there. Morning. Um, nice to see you all. Um, we're going to read uh, from Philippians, and Mark's got it on a slide, so we're going to read because we're carrying on in our series, um, which is about risking it for God through the, the letter of Philippians. We're going to read just a very, very short bit, which is in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 15. And it says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which God took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is past, forgetting what is past or behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained." Good. Right then, we've got to that point in the melodrama that is between Christmas and Easter, where we do the recap. Have you you watched those, you know, those murder mysteries where people are obsessively recapping all the time. So Stephen was in the dining room with no way out, but the body was in the conservatory with the door locked. Nobody could get in, and yet, we know that Sheila had an argument with Stephen. Just do you, do you ever see that? Five minutes later, so Stephen was in. You know, or you know those programs where the the presenter constantly reminds you about what the program is about. Have you had them? I'm in Bridge Off Baptist Church preaching a sermon. I'm a little frustrated that I'm having to repeat myself all the time. Still let's move on. I'll make my first point. Can we have the first slide there, Mark, as we talk about Paul and him in Philippi? Now, I'm in Bridgnorth Baptist Church. I'm preaching a sermon, but I'm a little frustrated that I'm having to repeat myself. I'm moving on to my first point. It just goes. So, here's the recap that we have for Paul. So, Paul has already talked about what's going on in Philippi. Remember what Philippi is like. Philippi is a difficult town. It's a, it's a, it's a Roman successful place. It's pagan. It's full of um, lots of corruption. But Paul has been talking about what was and what is, or what was and what's to come, and he's making a contrast, past, present, and he's doing that in Philippi with people that he likes, he likes the Philippians, they're good folks, but they have been saved out of a very corrupt world. So Philippi is pagan, and and it's full of pagan gods. A lot of the gods that they have are driven by sexuality, a lot of the rituals are really brutal, there is very little mercy there, it's very oppressive. Anybody who's a slave is treated badly and exploited. Anybody who misbehaves is cruelly punished. The law can be bought by rich people. No. Anyway, um, there's a cult everywhere. There's an emperor worship where we have celebrity and we have to worship celebrity. No. And it's all driven the other way around. It's driven by a philosophy. So the philosophers have control. The people who say the clever things that everybody wants to hear, they have control. Finance is king. Philippi is very rich. It's on a trade route. People make a lot of money. They like to hold on to it. No. Anyway, and it's military. They fall out. Lots of ex-soldiers, lots of people have made money from Korea. There's lots of views about other countries and how uncivilized they are and how they need to be kept in their place and how difference can be resolved by military conflict. No. <laughs> so, in that setting, Paul brings the gospel and it's challenging. Because, you see, there's two things around this. For the first thing, there's Christians from a Jewish background, and they don't like that all these people come from this other background, and their view is that all of these people who come from a pagan background must be taught a huge number of rules and more, even be circumcised which is not my favorite piece of teaching, I have to say, so I'm glad I'm a New Testament Christian um, for no other reason than I am currently intact. Um, so anyway, the, 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 the idea is that, that people are saved out of the corrupt world by obeying a huge number of rules that will somehow clean them up. But as you know, Nick came along last week, and he was talking to us about how grace, the grace of God is what saves us, which makes a huge difference. And that we have to live in grace, which is what Tim was telling us, that we stand out because of how we live, not because of the rules, but because of Christ in us. Do you remember that? These are the things. We're recapping. I'm here in off Baptist Church. I'm preaching a sermon, but I'm frustrated because I keep having to repeat myself, which is what Paul is doing. He's going over it, making it all clear. And Paul is saying, well, look, you know, you're not going to be by grace if you keep trying to apply all the rules, because then you think you're being saved by your own efforts, and that's an error. But there is another side, which is if you don't throw off your old life, then you'll be corrupted. You can't put a foot in both camps. You've got to be one or the other. So he's recapping. And Paul is saying, now, don't get me wrong, because he says this, not that I've already got there. I haven't got there. You know, I have the struggles. My background is really legalistic, that's what he's saying. You know, I came from a Jewish background. You know, the law was my obsession. I I haven't managed to quite get rid of it all yet. I'm pressing on. And that's what he talks about, pressing on. Do you remember that? That's what he's saying. I'm in Bridge North Baptist. We won't do that again. I've kind of tired that one out. So, can we have the next slide? So, Paul starts off with talking about going out of the old life into the new life. Out of the old life, into the new life. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. It's like running a race. And Paul deliberately uses that, the race analogy. I'm running, I'm straining, I'm pressing. I haven't got there yet. But anybody who tries to run a race looking back at the start line is gonna fall over. Have you ever fallen over looking back? Yeah, absolutely. We look back, we stumble. Why wasn't it? There's a verse in Isaiah which says, don't say, why were things better in the old days? I mean, let's be honest, they were better in the old days. You know, nobody's written a decent, somebody said this to me genuinely, nobody's written a decent song since 1967. <laughs> somebody genuinely said that to me, honestly. And think of all the other wonderful things that we used to have in the past. I mean, take diphtheria, <laughs> I can be honest with you, I don't even know what diphtheria is, but apparently they had it, and it was great, and it was in the old days. And if anybody's had theory, I don't mean to offend you. I'm just saying, do you know, the old days were just like now. I was talking to somebody just recently, and they were going, "There's all these issues that we're talking about now," and and of course they didn't have them then. And I was saying, "You're joking, aren't you? You know, you know people might have hidden them, but do you think there wasn't corruption?" and sexual exploitation, and domestic violence, and financial inequality. Do you, do you think that they are, they've just arrived? Because they haven't. They've always been around. This is a corrupt world, but we are called from the old world into the new one. And for Paul, and we saw this at Lystra, people have been called from old gods to new gods. Now I know you're a very clever and enlightened people, and you don't have any old gods. Well, you might think you don't have any old god. Let me tell you what a god is. In the, in the Old Testament, in the, in the Ten Commandments, Second Commandment says this, You shall not have any other gods before me. In fact, that might be the first one. Anyway, so what is a god? Well, a god is anything that has more power over you than god. So, God says, and you don't, because this other thing has more power. Or God says, do, or God says, don't, and you carry on because this thing has more power over you than God. Whatever that may be. Is that your career? Is that your house? Is that your image? Is that your reputation? Is that your pride? Could be anything. Is that what you like doing in private? is that your resentment to other people, is, is comfort your God, sex your God, is achievement your God, is not missing out your God. What is your God? Do you have gods? Do you have false gods? The Philippians had false gods. It was very hard for them to let go of their false gods. And it's hard for us to let go of our false gods. And anything, I don't know if you know this, but anything can become a god. You can take, as the Bible says, a bit of wood, and half of it you use for firewood, and the other half of it you make into a god. Well this happens with all sorts of things. Seen this, honestly. Okay. I know somebody, and they have dealt with it, but I know somebody for whom dental treatment became a god, because they got a bit of correction, and then a bit more, and then a bit more, and it became more important to them than anything else. I, there, are, there are men, and it's common, for whom their body image becomes an obsession. And they lift weights and take steroids and fill themselves up with protein and whatever, ruin their liver, often ruin the rest of their lives, all for image. You don't do that, I know. I know. knew a guy for whom not being told what to do was a god. He had a condition that meant there were certain things that it was important for him not to eat or drink, and he just ignored them and just kept going because he would not be told what he could and couldn't do. By the time I stopped knowing him because I moved away, he'd already virtually lost his eyesight and he was on the verge of losing a hand, and that was going to carry on because nobody was going to tell him what he could and couldn't do. That's a god. Do we have false gods? Surely not. Not here. Anyway, that's the old life, the old life. Now, what the old life tells you is this, that you can do both. You can have all of that and press on. You can look towards the finishing line and look towards the start line at the same time. Sounds a little two-faced to me. Of course you can't, you can't do that. So Paul says, let's get out of the old life, go into the new life. And how do we do that? Can we have the next slide, Mark? This is how that happens in the brain. I am fixated with babies, I want to know where my next one's coming from. <laughs> it's late. Okay, sorry, for those of you who don't know, my daughter's due a baby, she's been instructed um, to deliver it and frankly hasn't complied. <laughs> Kids, dear, dear, can't do anything with them. So it's about thinking. Was it Joyce Meyer calls it the battle of the mind? He says, We are, you know, we are not given a spirit of fear because we have a sound mind. So Paul says this, he says, all of us who are mature should take a view of such things. We should think about this. We have to let go of our old thinking, take on our new thinking. That is, we get rid of our pagan thinking. We stop worshipping our false gods. We stop being legalistic. It's interesting because they both have the same root, which is about fear. See, pagan thinking is all about the fear of missing out. It's about, I can't let go of something in case I miss out. Two main gods in the Old Testament, look out for them because they remain now, Baal and Asherah. You come across Baal and Asherah? So, Baal, the god of money, having power, achievement. Asherah, the god of sensuality and desire and sex and having what you want. Gaining through power, achievement, money. Gaining by self-indulgence, comfort, sex, etc. Surely we don't have those gods now. Yes we do. They're as potent in our society as they ever were in ancient society. But Paul says we need to let them go and have a different thinking. A different thinking, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, sound mind. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, says John. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And it's interesting that the words For love and perfect and mature are all drawn from the same Greek root. So, perfect and mature, complete, developed, grown up. You know how that works? Bigger than us. And one of the bits of thinking is to understand what Jesus said when he said, don't seek to look after yourself. But seek first the kingdom of God, because everything else is added. Your treasure is here. Do you remember what we were being told a couple of weeks ago? God is bigger than we are, and it is about Jesus. It's about God, not about us. How does that work? Well, it means that we take our eyes off us, put them on God, and He deals with this stuff. As long as we're running around, we don't do We have to think differently. So what is our fear? Well, let's just go over. Let's recap what we had. Our spiritual desire. We live up to what we've already got. So we let go of the past and we live up to this and we go forward. and We press on and we look for what we desire. What is your desire? Do you have a spiritual desire? Have you got spiritual desires? Or in fact... Are you already thinking of what you desire, and will I please stop talking so you can get back to it? What is your desire? Do you think about these things? I remember Richard telling us just a few weeks ago about heaven. and Do we desire heaven? Do we even think about heaven? Do we think further than Sunday lunch (coughs) or work tomorrow? There's a place I have been often. By Sunday morning, I'm thinking about Monday morning. You ever do that? That's, gee that was a killer for me. That, you know, where is our focus? Does it ever get any further? Do we think about the prize? When we think about this, it says, Psalm um, 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your desire is also. What do we want? What are we after? What do we believe? Are we moving? Are we changing our thinking from a fear of death to a desire for heaven? From a fear of getting it wrong to a desire to have the prize, which is to be like Jesus. From a fear of failure to a desire to succeed in Jesus' name. Is that what we are? That we stand out. Tim said that we stand out. We want to be like Jesus because we love Him. Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command. Do you know that verse? You are my friends if you do what I command. So Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus held on to me, my demands. Can we have the next slide, Mark. So this is where we're going. We're going out to death to bring resurrection. Now that seems like a weird thing to say, doesn't it? We're going out to death to bring resurrection. The Great Commission that Jesus Jesus gave, written in Matthew, says this: Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you till the very end of the age. So we've got to go out and make disciples baptizing people. Come on Easter Sunday. We've got some baptisms going, which will be cool. It's time for the big dip. But um, we, we, we don't have to wait till Easter Sunday to baptize people. We baptize all year round. The clue is in the title. Um, I'm in Bridge North Baptist Church. Yeah, we've been down there. Yep, absolutely. That they had the words of life. But why are we saying going out to death to bring resurrection? And it works like this. The old self says, I matter, but I am so insecure that nobody else thinks I matter that I must look after me. The new self says, I matter so much to Jesus that I can forget me and go and find people that I can give the gospel to Does that make sense? That's the commission, that God thinks I'm sufficiently important that no matter how much I remind Him of my importance, I can't increase His view of how important I am. We're repeating ourselves again here, but you can see what I'm saying. We are so important because Jesus brings life to the dead. I remember asking just recently a little group of people, and I said, do you believe this? And they told me, yes, they did. I was very excited. I so said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead and that He has the power and authority to forgive sins and change lives? Do you believe that? I'm sorry. Do you believe that? Think about what you're saying. You are saying to me that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and that He has the power and authority to forgive sins and change lives. Is that what you're telling me? Well what impact does that have on you then? How much more important do you need to be? I think as celebrities. was one. And I know it's a bit weird, okay, and you might not have heard of him, but I remember when Lonnie Donegan died. Do you remember Lonnie Donegan? Yes. Hey, good, right. Okay, now Lonnie Donegan was a skiffle musician in the 50s and the 60s. And he was enormously influential. He was a major influence on bands like the Beatles, they named him specifically, the Rolling Stones, they named him specifically. He was named by people like the Grateful Dead and You Too and Guns N' Roses as a really influential. He was massive. He was hugely influential. When he died, his widow said, the shame of it for Lonnie was he never thought anybody ever took him seriously. I mean, that's really sad, isn't it? He, this is a man who had a major influence on all the music we listen to nowadays, probably except for the classical stuff. But you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is there a skiffle concerto out there somewhere? Who knows? But, um, but he never felt adequate. I mean, that's disaster. But how like us is that? You know, because it works like this. And we've been down this scoring system before. But somebody comes up to you and says, I think you are fantastic. And you think that's quite good. You're probably a bit strange, but that's good. And then someone else says, you are fantastic. And other people say, oh, we love what you do. Bro-. And up it goes, and up it goes, and up it goes. And then one person who doesn't know you at all goes, well, that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? <laughs> Flat. It's all over. All of it's over again. Well, that's not the power of God, is it? That's giving some person with a mouth (laughs) more power than God Almighty. And where is that transaction happening, ladies and gentlemen? It's happening in your head. Do you understand what I'm saying? The war is in your head, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to move out of this. Think about it. This is our gospel. Your sins will kill you. Everyone without Jesus is already under condemnation of death. Do you believe that? Well, that should stir you for a start. Our own words, our own deeds, our own actions, our own motives, they condemn us. No one is free from sin. You're not free either. No one is free. But the new life is waiting in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can change that. You're no worse, no better than anybody else. I tell people this, I say, I've been a Christian for, oh, I don't know how many years. I say, but I need Jesus every morning just as much as the first day that someone is converted. We all need that. We don't forget that. We need you, but He can change that. And we go on this big adventure. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son. And, our, and Jesus allowed Himself to be tortured and killed for our sin, to put us right, but God raised them from the dead so that you don't have to be a slave to any false god ever again. Is that good? Is that good news? Absolutely, that Jesus has overcome the world. That's our gospel, that's what we go out with. So therefore, here we go, first question. We're going to talk about this because we've been over this since just before Christmas. Is that a testimony that we can be enthusiastic about? Are you enthusiastic about it? What has God done in your life? Has God done anything in your life in the last three months? (laughs) Have you got a testimony that you can be enthusiastic about? Are you ever caught speaking enthusiastically about your testimony? Can I encourage you to show a bit of enthusiasm? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Okay, it is a battle in the mind, but it would help if it showed on your face. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, God is good. Tell your face. Be enthusiastic, it's part of our witness, do you know? And be answering. You know when people say, so, what's so different about you then, you go, church, I'm in Bridge of Baptist Church. You, you, we need to give answers. Peter says, be ready always to give an answer when you are asked about the peace that is in you, that you give an answer. Do you have an answer? Jesus changed my life. Remember to use the Bible. I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying, I had no idea what to say, so I just quoted the Bible and it really shook this person up and it really meant something. We can speak with authority because we have the Word of God. Do you believe that? Do you read this Word of God? This is the Word of God. This has authority. Principalities and powers are rebuked by the Word of God. When Satan tried to challenge Jesus, how did he rebuke him? Quoted the word of God at We speak with authority. We witness powerfully. If someone is unwell, let me pray for you. If somebody is troubled, let me pray about that. If if a neighbor needs help, let me help you. Because I am belonging to Jesus. We witness powerfully by what we do and what we say, don't we? Remember what, what now. Nick was the last person to say it, but we said it several times. Rejoice. Yes? Rejoice. We're back to tell your face, aren't we, really here? You know what I mean? They will know we are Christians by our face. No they won't. No they won't. No, 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 no. They're they're nice, but they're miserable, yeah. Rejoice. Rejoice. Be grateful. Do you remember the grateful crumble as as Sue said? Well, at Christmas Day, we had a little thing that had grateful, gr- uh, uh, didn't it? It was grateful on one side, and it had grumble on the other, but from the balcony, it looked like crumble, which, which, which got Arlene very excited, because she's, she's, she's always grateful for crumble. And if it has custard, Mark is just beside himself, really. So, um, there you go. Um, there's your service. Be grateful for crumble with custard. But yes... Give generously. Think of your time and your talents and your abilities. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how many times people have said, So, the church, is that really important to you then? I've been asked, as, as people say, What are you doing for the weekend? I was like, Well, we've got this big service, or we've gone out here, or we've gone there. And people say, is that, It's a witness to serve. And finally, to pray fervently. And just to help you, we have a range of soggy little bookmarks that we made for you, which has all these things on it. Um, Here are some dry ones, which I rescued earlier. Okay. They're, They're not wet. They're just baptized. That's all. Yes. As it goes. But if you want one, just as a reminder, mission people, that's how we behave. So let me ask you this. If you don't know Jesus... What is stopping you today? What is stopping you giving your life to Jesus today? Anything? Do you want life? Let me pray with you, I'll introduce you to Jesus. So Jesus can introduce Himself and He does frequently. But do that. What stops you going out for the gospel today? Which God has power over you? Which God has power over you? What's stopping you going out into your ordinary work, into your neighbors, into your neighborhood, into your family, and sharing the gospel, and witnessing, and testifying enthusiastically, and letting your face show the Jesus that's in you? What, what God has power over you that shuts you up? What is that? What is stopping you putting away your old life and taking on you? What you're frightened of missing out, what you're frightened of losing, what is it that somebody's gonna steal from you that God cannot provide? What is your thoughts on that? And finally, what is going on in here? What is going on in your head that is a lie from the enemy? there is a hurt from the past that has a ring of death from your old life that you can't shrug off what is it that's going on in your head what is it that goes on in mine we need to resist these we're not perfect yet we aren't perfect yet but the bible tells us and Paul encourages us that we press on. We are going to win. Yes? Tell your face. We are going to win. And when we do, we see Jesus and we receive the prize. That's exciting, isn't it? Tell your face. Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we press on to the prize which is greater than anything we have now, that we go to take new life for ourselves and we go out to proclaim new life to anyone, anyone who wants to hear. Lord, just make us powerful. Make us enthusiastic witnesses. Help us to answer honestly. Let us speak with authority to witness powerfully by serving those round about and not being afraid to own the name of Jesus. Lord, enable us to be joyful, grateful people that we might give ourselves to you. Lord, we pray this fervently. We look for you to transform us into a mission people. In Jesus' name, amen.